On this episode of Complicated Conversations, we welcome Alice Feeney. Alice is a New York Times million copy bestselling author. Her books have been translated into over 30 languages and have been optioned for major screen adaptations, including Rock, Paper, Scissors and His and Hers, both of which are in development for TV at Netflix. Alice was a BBC journalist for 15 years and now lives in Devon with her family. Good Bad Girl is her sixth novel. Welcome to Pop Fiction Women, Alice. Thank you so much for having me. Lovely to be here. I could not imagine a more perfect book for us on this podcast. It hits every theme that we love, mother-daughter issues, the gray areas of good and bad, coincidences, prisons coming in all shapes and sizes. (laughs) We'll see how much of that we can talk about today, but we're excited to chat. Thank you. Do you want to start by telling our listeners a little bit about Good Bad Girl? Mm, So Good Bad Girl is about four women three suspects, two murders, and one victim. And I, the story set this story on Mother's Day, but it's really for daughters. I love that. Oh, we're going to go gonna into that. Definitely get into that. But I want to start with one of the mothers, with Frankie. She is a single mother whose daughter, we learn right away, has gone missing. And she, we know, is a prison librarian. That is her vocation, which... I loved books, she says, are really magical to her, which is how I've always felt about books, too. And she says she owes whatever happiness she has in the real world to fiction, which is perfect for this podcast as well. And in the early chapters of hers, you write, the world is full of people who are good at being bad and people who are bad at being good. She has always thought of herself as a good, bad girl someone who made the best of the bad life she was born into and tried to do something good with it. So Frankie mm-hmm. is definitely complicated, as we like to say, and that gets into that, that quote I read gets into the title and the theme of this. So tell us about your development of Frankie and, and, and how the tagline, which I love your marketing tagline, works into this. Sometimes bad things happen to good people, so good people have to do bad things. Well, I think that's I think that's very true. I think for any of us, if we were put in a scenario in a particular situation, it's amazing the things that we're capable of doing under pressure, and especially for love when it comes mm. to protecting our loved ones. And Frankie was so much fun to write. She has so many quirks, and I would wake up in the night sometimes thinking about something peculiar that Frankie would say or Frankie would do, and I think, oh my goodness, and Sometimes I'd find myself doing the same things as Frankie and thinking, oh, no, I mustn't let her take over. She's a little bit too, too bonkers on occasion, but um, certainly counting her steps. I was going to say um, you're counting now. I would find myself walking from, you know, one room to another and accidentally counting my own and thinking, oh, my goodness, Frankie's taking over. But uh, there were so many things about her which I found so endearing and interesting, which I really enjoyed writing about because... I guess as an author, one of the fun things is you get to view the world through someone else's eyes for a little bit and sort of walk in their shoes for a while. And I remember visiting a a prison years ago for my books. I should get that in there quickly. My books (laughs) didn't do anything wrong. But um, I was invited to go and give an author talk. And I was told by the prison librarian that some people were really scared doing this. Some authors were quite frightened. But I found the whole thing absolutely fascinating. And I think that visit was when Frankie was perhaps born in my head. Yeah. Because I would watch the prison librarian walking me through different parts of the prison, taking out her keys, locking up the the door behind us, going to the next section. 
And it was such a surreal experience for me, someone who I promise hasn't been in prison before, (laughs) that I guess I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I couldn't stop thinking about this character in my head who, for so many reasons, had chosen to hide inside books, really, and spend her life hiding inside books because the real world for her was just a little bit too loud. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, that's the energy of novel writing. It's when you can't stop thinking about something and it plants itself and it it often takes time to develop. And it seems like Frankie was ready for you for this book. That's amazing. I want to talk about patience as well, because this gets into another theme that I love. Like, what do you know to be true about yourself and about others? And she's an 18-year-old who knows certain facts about herself, where she lives, where she works. But she also says, sometimes I don't know how I, who I am anymore. And Edith tells her, we're all detectives in the story of our own lives, all searching for clues about why we are here, piecing together the fragments of our existence, trying to solve what and how and who we are compared to who we should be which I loved that line. So tell us about Patience, who is the only first-person point of view we get in this book, your development of her and her arc. It was tricky with this book and having these multiple points of view, more than I would normally have in a book. And I, I thought very carefully about whose story was I really telling. And in the writing of the book, I became more and more certain that this, in a lot of ways, the story belonged to Patience. And... She was another character who was so fun to write because she is such an unreliable narrator in in all of the ways. I, I think we sometimes we are all the unreliable narrators of our own lives and we become different people for the different people in our lives. Mm. You know, there are different versions of us. We might be one person with colleagues. We might be somebody different with our family. We might be someone very different with our friends with a bottle of wine on a Friday evening. <laughs> we just we just adapt to fit around other people. And sometimes we become who other people expect us to be without even realizing that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I found that very interesting of Patience because she is very young. She's an old soul in a young body and she's doing a very difficult job, a very important job. And I really love with, with her that she's a character who I hope by the end of the book, readers will come to view her in a different way. Because I think we are all sometimes guilty of judging a book by its cover when it comes to meeting new people. And she is someone who I think challenges some of the stereotypes people have of of young people in the same way that another character in the book, Edith, I hope challenges some of those stereotypes that we sometimes have about the elderly. Yes, they were were such a great pairing. I loved all the scenes with them together. Thank you. So I want to talk about ladybugs, which play a significant role in this book. The symbolism, even your UK cover has ladybugs on the cover. For me personally, ladybugs symbolize my father who passed away. It's a thing in our family. A lot of people have that where they think that when they see a ladybug, that it's a loved one who's passed. And so when we see them in my family, we take pictures and we send them to each other. So ladybugs have a special significance for me. But you say in the book, which is the common one, that they are a sign of good luck. But there's a great quote because Edith refers to her daughter as ladybug. And she says, everyone knows that patients are as ladybug. Everyone knows that ladybugs are lucky. But did you know that their black spots represent joy and sorrow? 
So that sent me down this black hole on how I started Googling ladybugs and what their spots signify. And the, now I know about a seven spotted ladybug and the whole thing. So I do want you to tell me about that. But I, there was another quote then right after that about the ladybugs where you really like sent me over the edge. You wrote this, ladybugs are so prolific, so determined to ensure their future and protect their legacy that they sometimes give birth to pregnant ladybugs. Their daughters are born ready to have more daughters, generation after generation, repeating and reliving the same lives as the last, never changing their spots. Oh my God, please yeah. tell me about your interest in ladybugs and this research, presumably, that you did for this. Well, it, it was really Edith who was obsessed yeah. with ladybugs. And when she was inside my head, that meant that I had to become obsessed with them too. And like you, I did a lot of research because I just thought they were good luck. That's that's what I thought. I was told as a child that if a ladybug landed on you, that was good luck. And it meant that you might find some money. That's in I never found any money, so maybe that's where they started. I was challenging what I'd been told as a child. It seemed like lies to me. But the more I looked, the more I realized that in different parts of the world, they do mean different things. In some places, they're actually bad luck. So it was really interesting to me that we all have this view of something, and we believe it to be true, but someone else might have a completely different version of that truth. And for them, their truth is, is true too. So that was really interesting for me. And through Edith's obsession... I mean, it must have been a year before I bought the book that I was shopping one day and I found a, a cardigan covered in lady, ladybugs. And I just, I've never worn it. It's still in my wardrobe with the tags on, but something, I think because Edith was so much in my head, I ended up buying it. And I sometimes see it in the wardrobe and think, oh, there's Edith's cardigan that she liked in the shop that day. So it's, it's quite strange how these um, characters sometimes take over a little bit. And no, her obsession with ladybugs is throughout the book because I suppose there's that theme of children inheriting their parents' mistakes mm -hmm. and history repeating itself. And so when I found out that sometimes ladybugs give birth to pregnant ladybugs and this idea of daughters often feeling as though they've turned into their mothers and it being their worst nightmare, but it happens to them anyway, I just thought that was really interesting that Mother Nature has her own views on mother-daughter relationships, which are so complex that sometimes she finds a way to do things that perhaps we might not choose to go along with if we had a say in it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. And you're getting to my next question, and that might be part of the answer, but I'll focus on the villain aspect of it too, because there's a line I'll, I'll read if that's okay, but Edith talks about, but first I want to say you dedicate this novel to daughters of mothers of daughters which really blew my mind because I, my daughter is at the age where she is starting to complain about me. And sometimes I say, look where I came from. You know my mother, she's this way. And so I'm trying to be better, but it's still kind of who I am. And this is how I grew up and I'm trying to change my, my wiring. But then I thought, oh gosh, now I have to think of my mom as the daughter of a mother too. It, this is, it was good stuff for us. <laughs> but you really drive home the complication between mothers and daughters, the things that get passed down, and also the ways that we react to our own childhood 
as parents. Like we pass down, we do what we wanted or didn't have and not necessarily what the child wants. And then we, as daughters, we come to crave the things that we didn't get from the person who could never possibly give it to us. So Edith says, my daughter is the villain in my life and I am the villain in hers. We both believe our stories are true. Ooh, now, so you're, yeah, you're so good at nailing unspoken or unconscious truths in relationships in all your books, this in marriages, families, siblings. And we were thrilled that you kind of turned your eye to mothers and daughters. So because as Detective Chapman wisely points out, isn't everything linked to mommy issues these yeah. days? <laughs> so what made you turn to this particular relationship? And if you want to talk more about that villain, that double villain aspect. Well, I think, as you say, mother-daughter relationships are always complex, no, no matter what. And whether they are good or bad, they cannot fail to shape us. There's no getting away from that. And I think as I get older and I listen to my, my friends and uh, talking about their relationships with their mothers as well and their relationships with their daughters, and it does seem to me that history often repeats itself, often in the ways that we really wish that it shouldn't. And I find that fascinating, as though we're all pre-programmed mm -hmm. and there are things that we just can't change. Sometimes the things we wish we could change the most about ourselves and our thoughts and our behaviours are the things we find ourselves doing. And then we feel awful. So I just thought that was really interesting. And I, you know, I've met a lot of readers over the last few years who I've had readers come up to events and come to book signings. Sometimes as mothers and daughters, they come together and I find that fascinating. And I find it fascinating that these different generations, I can remember one in America last year, it was mother, daughter and grandma all came and, and stood <laughs> up to the event. And they had this very similar appetite for the kind of books that they liked, but they also had very different opinions about which were their favorites and why. And <laughs> I think all of these things just got me thinking, you know, we... We are like the ladybugs in some way. We are suddenly born into this situation that we have no say in. You know, you can't choose your parents. You can't choose your family. And those early years, they do shape us. So it's that question of, is it nature or nurture? Can we really break free of the mold if we choose to? And I like to think that if we choose not to let history repeat itself, then we can do something about it. Yes. Yes. So but the spots, we're born with the spots, you know, <laughs> like the ladybug, <laughs> but you're right. The reprogramming, this is something that Corinne and I talk about all the time because there's a lot of, I'm trying to get to, you know, there's a lot of my mother, me and my mother, and there's a lot that's good about that, that got the wiring, but then it's, it's identifying the parts that are not working for you that you can say, I don't, I don't need to continue this behavior or this way of thinking or whatever. But we had an interview recently where Corinne said, you know, we, we have this word motherhood and it's talked yeah. about and capital M and motherhood and being mother. But why is there no word for being a daughter, which is what you're exploring here. She's like, where's daughterhood? Is that, is that a word? Where's daughter's day? That's what I want yes. to know. It's all about mother's day. When's daughter's day? When do yeah. I get that card? <laughs> exactly yes. right. That is a good point. So we've got to start this movement, Corinne and, and Alice. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So I want to talk a little bit about your writing process. You are called the queen of twists and... 
I often say to Corinne that I, I must be the worst thriller reader because I'm not obsessed with the twists. But when they get me, I think it actually gets me even more because I'm like, oh, now that's a twist I can get into. I don't like twists just for twists sake. And I told Corinne when I was done with this, I'm like, I loved this. And I was genuinely surprised and whatnot. So so when you are known for that, and I don't know if you're you're this is something you sit down and write, I'm gonna write the <laughs> twist. Like how does it how does it work for you in terms of of the writing of these things? I think I really enjoy books and TV shows and films that have twists in them. And I think I always have, ever since I was a child, I was reading Agatha Christie at a young age and trying to solve these mysteries and being really cross, but also happy when I couldn't because it's like this fun game and this puzzle that you have to try and solve. And so I suppose I naturally gravitated towards writing those kind of books where there's always a puzzle, there's always a mystery. There is always, hopefully, a, a twist. Mm-hmm. I, When the, the Queen of Twists came about, I did say to my agent I was quite worried because what if one day I wrote a book that didn't have any twists in it? And they said very quickly, that would be the twist. So it just seems as though I've become <laughs> known for that, whether I wanted to or not. It wasn't deliberate, but... I think I just write the kind of books or try to write the kind of books that I enjoy reading. And that involves a lot of plotting and it involves a lot of thinking about the books before I start to write them. Sometimes, honestly, for years, the characters are busy nattering away up in my head until the story feels right. And until I know them so well, they're almost like family. And I think you always know the moment where you're ready to write the story. And I don't start until the whole thing is plotted out. And I have a big board where I write covered in different colored cards. And things do change sometimes during the writing process. But I do tend to always know the end before I start. Otherwise, I'd be worried about getting lost on my journey and not enjoying the writing part. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a fun puzzle every year for me to, to plot out. But I always think it's really important to to have genuine clues and to leave the breadcrumbs because... Yeah. There's nothing worse than getting to an end of, of a book and thinking, there was no way to know this. I, I really love when I read a book and think, oh, they got me because the clues were there. I so, missed them. Mm-hmm. Hopefully readers will, will feel the same way and realise that the clues were there and sometimes we spot them and sometimes we don't. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is the goal. That's that's the perfect moment where you're like, oh, now I see it, but not until now. <laughs> um, I want to just go a little bit more with your writing process, but in a different way, because you speak fairly often, which I love that you continue, maybe with every book that comes out, talk about how you had struggled to get to this point, to being an aspiring author. And I, a few years ago, I was also struggling, wanting to be published, writing books, and I was really feeling pretty much ready to give up with a couple novels in the drawer. But you posted a picture of you in front of a giant advertisement of your second novel, and you wrote, after years of rejections, there were times I thought I might never be a published author. Even in my wildest dreams, I never thought I'd see my book on a giant screen like this one day. Never stop believing in yourself. I commented on that post in 2019, and I thanked you for the inspiration, and now I sit here today with a publishing contract and a debut novel coming out next year. Congratulations. I love, thank you. I just, I just, 
you strike that balance of being honest, but also inspiring and encouraging. And that was exactly what I needed at that moment, as so many people who are, you know, struggling to make their dreams come true do. And I wondered where it comes from that you want to share that because a lot of people want to push it down and hide it away. And then also whether there's any practical or craft advice that you would also add on to that encouragement. Oh, well, congratulations. First Thank of all, that's you. very exciting. I'm looking Thank forward to reading your book. It's, I, I think it's important to be honest about these things. And it, it did take me a very long time. It was almost 10 years of trying to write novels, sending them off to um, agents and collecting lots and lots of, of rejection letters. And it is tough. I don't know anyone who wouldn't find that tough. You know, sometimes those rejection letters, it's, it's worse than heartbreak because you've poured your heart, your soul, your everything into this novel. And then someone says, no, it's, it's not good enough. And that can be difficult to get over. But I think if you are passionate about anything, including writing, the, the main message is that you just don't give up because if you don't give up trying, then you can't possibly fail, you know? So I oh, think that's the most that. important thing for anyone who is trying to do anything, especially something creative like writing. You just got to find that self-belief. And I think there's a fine balance between self-doubt and self-confidence and the scales tip back and forth throughout the writing process. And that part honestly doesn't get any easier. <laughs> I find, you know, I'm, I'm just about to do my, my fin final edits on book seven, next year's book. And I'm still filled with self-doubt and I still find it so difficult to, to hit send when it's time to share <laughs> it with other people. I, it's, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. But I think for any aspiring writers out there, you've just got to keep going. That is the secret, really. Read a lot, write a lot, and write a book that you would genuinely want to read. That's mm. the best advice I can think of. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And I love hearing that it doesn't go away because I thought magically as soon as I got an agent, because I had gotten so many rejections from agents, and then as soon as I had a book deal, I thought, surely it would all fall away. And I just handed in my second developmental edit and hitting send is the most, I just stare at it and I'm like, oh gosh, just do it, just do it, just do it. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. I love that you commented on that post from 2019. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot in the book about signs and we talked about the numbers and what that all means. And I feel like maybe that's going to make my next question less weird. I don't know. Oh, what about the fact that she just said, she said scales? scales? I know, I'm getting there. Don't worry. So we always ask about astrology. It is a big interest of ours as a means of sort of understanding ourselves and characters sometimes and whatnot. So I know you're a Libra and you did just reference scales, Still the does. scales of self-doubt <laughs> and the scale. So you, you just handed me that. So do you relate to being a Libra? Gosh, if you know anything. Like being asked if I'm unbalanced. <laughs> <laughs> when I was much younger, I would read, you know, you get all these little teenage magazines. And I remember I would read my horoscope and possibly read too much into it, you know, and I'd think, does that mean I'm going to do well in art class? Or does that mean that that boy likes me? And of course, you know, you could read your horoscope in various different places on the same week and they would all tell you different things. I don't place as much importance on that sort of thing now, perhaps, but I do very much 
believe in signs. Yeah. I think I've had, and I am a bit superstitious about things. I think I've had two characters who salute at magpies because they're scared it's it's bad luck if you see a single magpie. Mm-hmm. And I remember a reader commenting once that was a very odd thing to do, and I thought, well, I I do that. <laughs> so yeah. that's like a little bit odd too. But but no, I find all of this stuff fascinating, and I think it's a big old world. There is so much that we don't know we don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I take my dog out for walks at night sometimes, and I live in the countryside in the middle of nowhere. And I'm sorry if the birds are being a bit loud. They do sound quite loud today. But sometimes the sky here is so big and so beautiful, and you can really see the stars. And I just look up and just think, we're so small, and we don't know anything. And sometimes the things that we get so upset about are actually quite ridiculous. And I think that we're living in quite sad and difficult times in, in the real world. And I think we have to remember how to find the joy. And we have to remember to try and see the magic in the world. Because yeah. when you look around at, you know, some of the beautiful landscapes and beautiful countryside and beautiful parts of the natural world, there's got to be some magic involved, isn't there? So yeah. I think I'm open to all kinds of things. Yeah. There are oh. things that I don't necessarily believe in, but I don't not believe in them either. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh, perfect. I love that. And it, it's Patience, right, who says that Edith's first day was her the, her first day in the home was the same as her first day as a carer. And that would be a coincidence, except she doesn't believe in them, them. which, right. yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, same. And how I would rather just believe, I like that, that, that there's something kind of magical. There's so much that we don't know. You're right. Yeah. We love to ask our authors what you're loving right now. Any books that you're reading, any movies, TV shows, a podcast that you're obsessed with that we might be interested in too. Gosh, so many. I watch far too much television. <laughs> There's a show called The Bear. Do you have yes. that? Oh my goodness. I just think it's incredible. There was a an episode in the second series, which I think is one of the most perfect pieces of television ever. Oh. Um, Along with Succession, I was a bit obsessed with Succession mm. this year. I'm so mm. sad that it's over. Yes. Um, Books-wise, I think the new Lisa Jewell has just come out. Oh, there, none of this is true. I loved that. I loved yes. that. He's an author who just seems to get better and yeah. better every year. When I grow up, I would like to be Lisa Jewell. <laughs> I, that may, I'd like to add to that list. <laughs> put, put me down right after you. I'll be Lisa Jewell next. <laughs> Alice, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us. We love all of those things and highly recommend them uh, to anyone listening as well. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Good Bad Girl is out now. One of our favorites. So Um, good. Yes. It will scratch the itch for your next Alice Feeney novel, Twists and All. So thank you. Thank Thank you you. so much. It was really lovely to talk to you both. Thank you.